Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to say welcome to all of you at all of our churches, uh, because we're in our final week of our series entitled Reclaiming Irresistible. And as I told you when we started out this series about four weeks ago, uh, 26 years ago, there was like this small group of about 35 of us that were committed. We just kind of were gathering, trying to figure out, okay, what does God want to do next? And out of that process, we committed to the dream of creating a church that not only church people would feel welcome to and love to attend, but also people not in church that they too would feel welcome and love to attend. In fact, we just kind of made this our goal for what we were about, and that was to inspire the unchurched to follow Jesus and to equip the church to love like Jesus. And to this day, we still have never lost that vision because the reality is back then, 20-something years ago, and even to this day, not just us, but many of you, we still have friends and family members who do not find the idea of being part of a church or attending a church appealing at all. And here's why that's so interesting. While most of our friends and our family members, they resist church, what you discover is this. In most cases, they don't resist Jesus. And because Jesus, when you look at the life and the ministry and the love of Jesus, you understand that Jesus is so resistible. And because Jesus is so, I should say, irresistible, he's not resistible, he's so irresistible that we have believed like from day one that it is possible to create a place that unchurched people love to attend. They can feel like they belong even if they don't believe it all. But in order to do that, we've spent a lot of time, we've thought about it a lot, we've talked about it a lot, we tried to understand better why most people who are not part of the church find the church so resistible. So to get our conversation started this morning, I, I want to kind of remind us of maybe what is the most familiar verse in the Bible, and it really kind of becomes a launch pad for our conversation today. And we find this in John chapter three, verse 16. Many of you know this, you've memorized it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now this statement from the apostle John, I mean, it is important to every one of us, whether you are a Jesus follower or whether you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, because what it does is it reminds us who God loves so much. Who does God love so much? He loves the world. And the world, it really means the whole world. It means all the people of the world who have ever lived, who are living now, who are ever will live. The good people, the bad people, those people you like, those people that you don't like. Like when John says that God so loved the world, he's not just referring to me. He's not just referring to you. He is referring to everyone even those people that you don't feel are worthy of God's love. God loves everyone in the world. So John is reminding us that God doesn't reserve his love only for those who deserve his love. And that's really good news for every one of us because none of us deserve his love. Now, here's the thing. If you're with us at one of our churches today and you're not a Christ follower, I mean, that should be like really good news. Like to know that God already loves you, that his love for you is not conditioned on you loving him back, that God is concerned about those who aren't concerned about him. 
Now, for those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers, I mean, this is equally as important. Because see, here's the thing. Those of us who have the tendency to call ourselves Christians, we have the tendency to believe that God loves us more than he loves the other people of the world. Like those of us who are like church people, we love believing the idea that God loves us more than he loves the other people of the world. Now, here's the thing. Most of us are not brave enough to say that out loud. But secretly, most church people believe God loves them more than the people of the world because of how they behave. And because church people began to believe that, what happened is this, is that church people love the feeling of being part of an exclusive club. Like church people, if you hang around them long enough, hang around us long enough, I mean, it's like church people love like looking smarter and better and feeling morally superior to everyone else. It's why most people who call themselves Christians would rather talk about how terrible our culture is than to do anything about it to improve it. Because there's just this sense of satisfaction that comes from the feeling of like, I'm in this morally superior, exclusive club. Like church people, you hang around them very much, they, they love the idea that they have all the answers and that they're right about everything. And, and here's the thing, that mindset has made the church so resistible to our culture, to the people around us, to our families and to our friends. Now, here's what's interesting about this. I mean, this problem didn't just start within the 21st century. This problem is started in the church about 15 minutes after Jesus left this earth to go back to heaven. And, here, and here's why this happened. I want you to kind of go back in time with me. Like centuries before Jesus came to the earth, God had chosen the nation of Israel to be his special people, to show the world like who he was and what he was going to be doing in the world and how he felt about all the people in the world. But you know what they did? They did what we all do. They love the feeling of being part of something exclusive. And so instead of inviting others in, you know what they did? They built barriers and they added to what God had said in order to have a relationship with him in order to make it harder for other people to get into their little club. So by the time Jesus showed up, like if you weren't a Jew, it was very difficult for you to do what you were told was required for you to do in order to have a relationship with God. And then Jesus shows up on this earth and he starts tearing down all the barriers. He starts ripping down all the walls. And it's why he felt so much opposition from so many religious leaders. Like he tore down the barriers between the exclusive and the non-exclusive, between the insiders and the outsiders, between those who thought they had special access and those who thought they had no access to God. And you know what happened? The people who were on the outside and thought they had no access to God, they loved what Jesus was doing. But the people who thought they were part of this exclusive club, they thought they were on the inside with God, they didn't like it at all. They were losing their little exclusive club and their special status as God's chosen people. 
So when Jesus goes back to heaven, the Jewish followers of Jesus start reintroducing these barriers back in the church, which created a lot of tension and a lot of controversy in the early church. In fact, you can read all about this in the book of Acts. They had like all kinds of special meetings to debate about whether these barriers mattered anymore or not. And so people like the Apostle Paul, he had to come along and had to constantly remind them that their purpose as a follower of Jesus was not to build a barrier or to create some kind of exclusive club, but their purpose as followers of Jesus Christ, it was to remove the barriers because God loves the world and that includes everyone. In fact, I want you to listen this morning how the Apostle Paul describes this in a letter that he wrote to the Gentile Christians living in a city called Ephesus. And these Christians were being told basically that they were still not quite in the club yet. Notice what he says. Here's what he writes. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 11. He says, therefore, remember that formerly... You who are Gentiles by birth. Now, if you just stop and think about that and bring it to the 21st century, that would be most of us. If you're not a Jew, you are a... Now, yeah, let's do that again. If you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. That's right. So that would be every one of us. And he goes on to say, therefore, remember that formerly you who are called Gentiles by birth and are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Now, that's a kind of a first century statement. And to understand that, you have to know a little history. See, the Jewish people believed that you could not have a relationship with God unless you had been circumcised. They believed it was one of the requirements for meeting God's approval. Now, you want to talk about building a barrier to people thinking the church is resistible. That, that was a barrier. I mean, the Gentile men are coming along, they're listening to the teachings of Jesus, and then the Jewish people come along and say, no, you got to be circumcised, have a relationship with Jesus, and the Gentile guys are going, well, I thought Jesus said, take up my cross and follow me not take out a knife. You know, I didn't hear that. Like this was a very unnecessary barrier for all these Gentiles. So the apostle Paul, he addresses it. Notice verse 12. He says, remember that at that time, now he's talking to these Gentile people. So he says, remember at that time, literally referring to that time before you begin to follow Jesus, he goes on to say, you were separated from Christ and he includes what they knew, excluded from citizenship in Israel. There was this barrier that had happened that was been created, walls and barriers, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Don't miss this. What the Apostle Paul is saying is basically that the people of Israel believed that they held the keys to a relationship with God. So if you didn't play by their rules, you couldn't be in their club. And if you weren't accepted by the Jews, then the mentality was that you weren't accepted by God either. I mean, that was just their basic mentality. Like you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were on the outside looking in without any hope, without God in this world. 
Because the reality is what Paul is saying is like, the feeling is, if I'm not accepted by God's chosen people, then I must not be accepted by God either. And that's what, that was a barrier that all the first century Christians or people who wanted to be Christ followers faced. So you could imagine, like most people felt like they had no chance to have a relationship with God. But then the Apostle Paul, he reminds us that everything changed when Jesus shows up. Look at verse 13. He says, but now, meaning as in something has happened, something different has happened, and it's a game changer. It changes the way things were. But now, in Christ Jesus, this is the foundation of it all. He's reminding them. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And literally what the Apostle Paul is reminding all of the Gentile people is this. When Jesus Christ died and he rose again to pay the penalty for your sin, he tore down all the walls. He broke down all the barriers that stood between you and God. He's like, you don't have to go through a process. You don't have to go through a procedure to have a relationship with God. You don't have to earn your way. You don't have to meet anybody else's expectations or anybody else's standard because Jesus came to prove that God is not exclusive. He came to prove that God doesn't play favors. He came to prove that everybody is invited to come to God through Jesus Christ. Notice what he says on. For he himself, referring to Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups the two groups referring to the in-group, the group that they were in with God, and the out-group, literally the Jewish group and the Gentile group. He says, he has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. Keyword, he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. Now, this is such an important statement for every one of us because what the Apostle Paul is saying is this, that there is only one barrier. There is only one dividing wall that keeps you from God. You know what that one barrier is and that one dividing wall? It's not a human barrier that any person creates. It's your sin. It's your sin. And when Jesus died and he rose again, the apostle Paul is saying, Jesus broke down that barrier. When he paid the penalty for your sin on the cross, he took away everything that separated you from God. So all you have to do now to have a relationship with God as your heavenly father is to trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. He's saying, it's that simple. There's no other barrier to you having a relationship with God, which means for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, whenever you encounter anyone, here's what you need to understand. Whoever you encounter, whoever you look in the eye, or whenever you create, see that there's a barrier that they feel, you realize that's not a real barrier. And whenever you encounter a barrier, if you're not a follower of Christ, it's like there's this barrier and there's this barrier. Listen, any barrier that you encounter, 
It was one that somebody has created. And here's what you need to know. It is an unnecessary barrier. It's an unnecessary barrier because Jesus Christ has destroyed the barrier. He's destroyed the dividing wall. And all of those unnecessary barriers that church people create and church pe- and unchurched people look at all these barriers and go, that's why I don't want to have anything to do with the church. See, all the unnecessary barriers is what makes the church so resistible to people. In fact, one of the things that's really interesting when I have conversations with people who find the church resistible is whenever you talk to them about like, why they don't go to church, they seldom ever give you like this theological reason for why they don't go. Now, when we say they don't give you a theological reason, what we mean by that is this, is they, they don't ever say things like, well, I just don't believe what you believe. I just can't believe that. Or I can't believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. Or I can't even believe that I'm a sinner or like, now, and some of them don't believe anything about God or the Bible, but that's not why they say they're not interested in being part of a church. The reasons you hear from people for why they see the church is so resistible or they don't want to be part of a church is far more personal and far more relational. You know what they talk about? They talk about Christians or a Christian or a group of Christians they know who are so hypocritical or they talk about how they used to go to a church and how they had this really bad church experience and how people in the church hurt their family or how the church treated them so poorly. But you know what the truth is? All those things that happen to them, all those are unnecessary barriers. And any other barrier that gets created, they're unnecessary barriers. And see, what those barriers say is that the church is just for certain people, which means that if the church is just for certain people, then that means Jesus is just for certain people. But the Apostle Paul comes and goes, no, that's not true. It's not true at all. The church is for everyone because God is for everyone. Look at fact, look at verse 15 and 16. Here's what he says. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Talking about the group that thought they were in with God and the group that felt like they were out with God. Notice he goes on. Thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Which means that Jesus Christ came to tear down every wall and break down every barrier that makes it difficult for you. And for every person who you'll ever lock eyes with in order for them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I want no barriers so Jesus, Jesus came and through the cross, he broke down the barrier. See, the apostle Paul says he didn't come to build walls. He came to build bridges. He didn't come to exclude. He came to include. See, that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Like you and I, we are odds with God because of our sin and he did what we couldn't do for ourselves and he brought us back into alignment and agreement with our heavenly father. He wasn't building barriers. He was building a bridge between us and God.
In fact, he goes on and he says, he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So whether you knew that you were far away from God or you thought you were close to God, we all equally needed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in order to be reconciled to God. In fact, he goes on. He says, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And here's where it gets really good. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. He's saying no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what people have told you, he says, you don't have to feel like you're on the outside anymore. You're not on the outside. If you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're as close to God as anybody else. You have as much access to God as anybody else. In fact, he goes on, he says, and you are now, if you've received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That's pretty incredible. It's like once we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we're all equal. It's like we're all equal. See, the good news is like when you put your faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, God adopts you into his family forever. And that's just incredible news. No matter who you are, God adopts you in your family and now, or in his family. And now you are his child. In fact, he goes on, he says, and it's all built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And here's the thing. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means two different things to two different groups of people. So let me start off by talking to all of you who are followers of Jesus Christ and consider yourself part of this church family. The first thing he's saying here is we, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to build bridges, not build barriers. See, this is what it means to reach out in a world that doesn't value what we value, that doesn't believe what we believe. Like we're not called to hide behind stained glass windows and talk about all those bad people out there in the world. We're not called to gather together and say, well, if those people are really interested in a relationship with God. They just need to come where we're at because we got to sign out. They know where we are. And we're not called to speak and act as if we are insiders who are forced to interact with those outsiders. And we're not called to act like we are morally superior to people who live differently than we do. And we're not called to expect people who don't follow Jesus to believe and behave like that we do. And then criticize them when they don't believe or behave or support the laws or the lifestyle that we as followers of Jesus Christ might think would be the things that Jesus taught. Like, why would you ever think or expect a person who's not a follower of Jesus Christ to act like Jesus? And so we're not called to create or engage in fights or create division between us and the people that Jesus died for. You know what, you know what that kind of behavior does? All it does is it builds barriers. It creates walls. So if moving forward, we as a church want to reclaim irresistible, and we do. It's why we exist as a church, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if people are like, we want nothing to do with the church, 
there's no way we can fulfill that mission. So if moving forward, we want to see, we want people to see the church as something that's irresistible instead of resistible, we have to earn the right to be heard. We have to earn the right to influence. We have to earn the right to point people to Jesus Christ. And to do that, we've got to tear down barriers and we've got to start building bridges and we've got to start reaching out and we've got to meet people where they are and love them for who they are. It's why 26 years ago, there was a small group of us, about 35, that just committed to the dream of creating a church that unchurched people would feel welcome to and love to attend, as well as church people. And with God's help and by his grace, I mean, like we were determined to create a place where there were like no barriers, just bridges, where, where people could come and they could be genuinely accepted no matter who they were or what they had done, like to create a place where people could belong even if they didn't believe and they wouldn't feel like they were this outsider because the reality is the gospel says everybody is invited to have a relationship with God. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ at any of our churches, let me ask this question. Will you reach out and build a bridge? And here's what I know. I know you love coming to your campus and you enjoy hanging out with your friends and your family and all those things. And, and that's all real nice. But listen, if you're just coming to sit in the stands and enjoy the show, like you have missed the whole point of the gospel. The gospel, it, it commands us, it calls us, it challenges us to reach out to start building bridges with the people around you, with the people in your life. Like it calls us to love those people who are hard to love. Maybe that person that you work with, that maybe it's a little difficult. Maybe you need to invite them over for dinner, for a cookout, or maybe you need to sit down at lunch with them and get to know them. You need to listen to why they say what they say and why they believe what they believe instead of just giving your opinion to them all the time about how they're wrong or how they think wrong. Like maybe you need to think about them and, and maybe what their real deeper needs are. And maybe you need to think twice before like you open your mouth and you say something that's going to burn a bridge and create another barrier. Here's what I know. As a church, we, we don't get this right all the time. As Christ followers, we don't get it right all the time. But we're not going to stop trying. We're not going to stop living toward the ideal. In fact, we, we've built everything that we do kind of around this one big life idea. Um, it's just what we do. And, and it's this idea of invest and invite. For years, this has kind of been like the keystone habit of our church. Because we want every person who is RCC, at a RCC, one of our campuses, to invest in relationships, in people, in the community, in your family, in your neighborhood. And when the time is right, you invite them to experience one of the environments we create. This is a keystone habit. And I'm going to tell you, if we ever lose this as the keystone habit of our church, and just so you know, like I'm watching different campuses and we're slipping at different campuses in this area. Here's what you need to understand. A keystone habit is a habit that when you do it, it fuels everything else you do. And here's the thing, if we ever lose this as the keystone habit of our church, it will sink us as a church. See, the reality is like people saying, oh, I'm just not going to give. Well, that, that'll hurt us, but it won't sink us. 
People not serving, that hurts us, but it won't kill us. But I'm going to tell you, not investing, not, not being carriers of the gospel into our community, not, not being people who are showing the love of Jesus Christ in our community. Listen, that will kill us. In fact, you've heard me say this so many different times if you've been around here for any length of time. The difference between a growing church and a dying church is one word. It's invite. So, so what does that look like? Like, what does investing look like practically in your life? It, it looks like this. I invest relationally in unchurched people around you. That's what it looks like. How this works is I invest in relationships with people around me who are unchurched, who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I show the love of Jesus Christ. I invest in people's lives who are far from God. I invest in people's lives who need what Jesus offers. I invest in people not because they're a project. Like, why would you invest in people's lives with the love of Jesus Christ? Because you care about your family. You care about your friends. You care about your neighbors. You, you care about the parents of your children's friends. Like you care about their life, you care about their peace, you care about their marriage, you care about their relationships, you care about their financial health, you care about their eternity. Listen, we invest and invite because we care. We invest and invite. We live out this habit because we love. See, you invest. You invest relationally in other people's lives and you pour out the love of Jesus Christ because that's what it means to love like Jesus loved you. So you invest in them because God is for them and you want them to know that God is for them. So here's how we say it. We invest relationally and then we invite personally. And what that means is we don't invite people to RCC. We don't go, oh, you ought to go to RCC sometime. No, no, no. We, we invite personally. We say, hey, why don't you come and sit with me? Or why don't you come spend an hour with me on Sunday? Matter of fact, spend two hours with me. Come sit with me at church and then I'll take you to lunch or come over to our house for lunch. And I want you for just a moment to imagine that family member, that friend, that coworker, that person that you've been praying for but you've not really been investing in them relationally, just been kind of like, oh, you have such a heart for them. Can you imagine one day that person walking in and they don't know how much you've been praying and hoping that they would experience Jesus and they don't know how much you care about them. And more than that, they don't know how much God loves them and how much God cares for them and that God has broken down the only barrier and they've never understood that. But then as a result of you personally investing in that person's life, and then at the right time when the Holy Spirit in, it prompts you, you invite them to come be a part of one of our environments that we create, and they experience Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden, you start watching Jesus make them better at life and making their life so much better because of relationship with Jesus Imagine that. That's why this is a keystone habit. That's why we exist as a church. So that's what it means for the first group of us. Jesus has broken down all the barriers. But here's what it means for another group of you today. And maybe you're on one of our campuses and you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're here today because you decided to give church like one last chance and you've had a bad experience in the church or be with some church people. And, you know, somebody invited you again and they promised you that, hey, this place is a little bit different. Listen, here's what we want for you. We want you to be able to hang around and hang out with us and kind of get a taste of God's love and God's mercy and God's grace through the way that we treat you. 
Even more than that, we want you to realize what we talked about today, that Jesus came to build a bridge, not a barrier between you and God. That God is not angry at you, that God loves you. He has a heart of compassion for you. It's why he went to the cross for you. And all of a sudden, maybe today you've realized that you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ because of what he did for you and what he did for me on the cross. He did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And so for those of you who maybe aren't Christ followers, we just want to do this. We want to give you the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ to cross that bridge and be part of God's forever family. And, And it is our prayer that if you make that step, that you will choose to join us in being a church body that is a bridge builder in our communities that is committed to the value of invest and invite. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ, that you will walk out of here today saying, I'm committing, I'm committing to just helping people understand that Jesus tore down the barrier. And I'm committing to live out this habit of invest and invite. Listen, we have a unique opportunity in the world in which we learn to make the church irresistible again. Let's not miss our chance. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the love that you displayed to us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for helping us understand how much you love us. And God, I pray that those who are followers of Jesus Christ today will just recommit ourselves to not building barriers, to not try to build these exclusive clubs, but to say, it's all about investing in other people's lives with the love of Jesus and then inviting them to understand how they can have a relationship with him. God, help that to be our commitment as followers of Jesus. And then God, for those who are listening and they've never understood that there was only one barrier and Jesus took care of it. God, I pray that today will be the day when when they cross that bridge into a relationship with you. And if that's you today, will you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud? Just say, Jesus, Thank you for being a bridge builder. Thank you for that the cross represents a bridge from me to God. And today I cross that bridge. I, I receive your gift of forgiveness. I, I receive your gift of love and cleansing and grace and mercy. And, and I thank you that I don't have to live in shame and I don't have to live with guilt. I thank you that all of my sins are covered, all of my past sins, all my present sin, and any future sin. I thank you that it's all forgiven through the cross. So I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I'm, I'm going to learn to follow you, and I'm going to learn to follow you in your love for me, not in all of those stories of the barriers I've heard that have said, if you do this, God will love you, but I'm going to just learn to follow you relationally and live in your love. God, I thank you that we all get to experience that, that we get the experience of living in your love. Help us to daily do that. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks everyone for being with us today. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.